Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's time for another episode of Last Drinks, a podcast where we have conversations for the sober and the sober curious Hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Alan, tell me about your last drink. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, I <laughs> I last had a drink on, it was in, it was just before COVID actually. Uh, it was February of 2020. Mm. And, um, and so it's funny. So I run, I, I run a, um, a video agency and I was driving down to a client of mine, um, who had his office free and, um, effectively he didn't have anyone in the office because of COVID, um, and whatnot. And we're doing some filming and, uh, as we like, as I was driving down, he he rings me this Friday morning on a, at eight a.m. Um, so I still got a whole day ahead of me. He goes, "Oh, I've got some Red Bull and vodkas for us um, to get started for the day." And um, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I, there was there's a whole bunch of stuff leading up to that point, right? Um, but that's where it all started, anyway. So, with, so yeah. is that was that standard practice in the world that you exist in <laughs> to smash some body Red Bulls on a shoot? Or no, it's not absolutely not. So, um, like, in fairness, the person, like, without you know, uh, it, it it was sort of something that I think this person was dealing with. Okay, and it was something that I think I naturally, you know. I naturally attracted um, because of the type of person I am um, and gravitated towards that. Okay. Um, and then I think, yeah, it was that point. Um, I'd just come back from a Bucks party a couple of weeks ago and there was a guy who went through the entire Bucks party sober. And um, and I was just amazed. I was like, how did, like, we stayed together, you know, and we were there for like two nights, three days. Everyone was fucked up. And, um, and this guy managed to like stay sober the whole entire time. And I was just, I was, yeah, I was just amazed. And I was like, and so that's, that's what, like that got me thinking. And then that was the catalyst. There's a lot of things that happened before that date. Yeah. um, That was a catalyst for it to all happen anyway. So, yeah. Uh, Talk me through all of the things that led up. All of the things. All right. Talk to me. So what sort of. A relationship did you have with alcohol? It sounds like, you know, if you're at a Bucks party and everyone's getting on it and you're getting on it, you're just doing what most people do, you know, like you're socializing with your friends. You obviously could keep a job because it sounds like you're employed. So what, you know, how was alcohol affecting you in, in a super negative way? Like before you had that encounter with somebody who was sober, and I will say when you're carrying on with your mates and I've been there too and you talk to someone who's in the same environment as you and they're sober it's like a freakish superpower that they have yeah you're exactly. like what do you mean <laughs> are you from another planet so I can imagine yeah. that that would have caught your interest if you know sober curiosity was kind of um circling around you so what yeah. was your relationship with alcohol like so like when I like I grew up in a pretty christian home but like my especially Sorry to my hear wife that. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm the yeah. same. I, I'm yes. like, I grew up at Christian City Church, man, and yeah. there was like every. It was Friday night fellowship. It was Sunday yeah. morning or Sunday night or sometimes both. My dad wanted to be a minister. Like it was, I yeah. hear you and I yeah. see you. <laughs> I am the alpha and the omega. Amen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So especially yeah. especially in my later teens, like, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Like I used to spend five to six days either hanging around church people or hanging yeah. around church and, and doing youth groups and all that other stuff as well. And not and a bad thing. I also just no. want to say on the record, like I do, I, I have a, I've deconstructed my faith as an adult and yeah. I've arrived at a place where I'm really comfortable with my faith system. Yeah. And I do have one. And I do believe that there is, um, there is a higher power at play and I believe that we can lean into it. And I don't yeah. know for me if it is just the one God. And yeah. I don't know that the God that I think about is as dualistic as the one that I was, uh, that was rammed down my throat as a teenager. Yeah. And so I believe in love first yeah. and always. And I was taught judgment, uh, black and white, in and out, heaven and hell. And I it has taken me years and years to really deconstruct all of those yeah. beliefs that were ingrained in me and arrive at a place where I'm so grateful for the faith I grew up with. But yeah. I'm also on a level now where like, I don't know about the heaven and hell thing and nor is it for me to talk about. I'm just here to love the shit out of people and I'm going to concentrate on doing that. I don't know where you're at with it, but that's yeah, sort probably. of... Similar Probably place. very similar page, yes. So I yeah. think, yeah, we're on a very similar page because after it was actually, it took, um, unfortunately, it took my grandparents like to be killed in a car accident. Oh, like mate. both of them were died at the same time. For me to actually stop and actually have a look around and go, what am I, like, it was really funny in in the set, or not funny, but like it's it was. nothing it was, funny about that No, story. no, no. But what I'm trying to say is it like at that point in time, I had an answer for everything about God and all yes. the other stuff. And um, what happened was my cousin, like after, like at the wake, we'll, we're having a few drinks and whatnot. And my cousin goes to me like, why do you do all this stuff, Alan? And I was like, and I literally like for all the excuses and all the things that I said, I was like, I honestly don't know. And that's what got me out of the church. And that's, mm. that's part of where my, my journey started. Like, so I got heavily into alcohol, started experimenting with pills and other things. Um, I don't feel like I was ever like, I probably had an addiction to masking my emotions and, and, you know, getting blind for the sake of like having a release or having like an escape, I should say mm. from life and, and things like that. And um, especially as men, like we, typically need something like that to excuse ourselves for talking shit and, and letting our guard down amongst other men and, and things like that. And so what, um, where, where I was sort of getting at, like that sort of led me to this point of, um, you know, what, what then led me to like, you know, giving up alcohol and other things was watching someone who was able to be in control of their decisions amongst the social pressure or the social like norm. Mm. The norm of, of a Bucks party is to be getting fucked up. And someone was able to like stand through that storm and still have fun 
and not feel and and still be aligned to who they are and 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 how they want to go about their business if if you will anyway yeah of so, course yeah do you think hey mate i'm so sorry to hear about your grandparents that's such a tragedy that would have imploded your family and your yeah. heart do you think that um the weight of that grief drove you to use a substance or substances because you didn't understand how to process grief because we don't really get yeah. taught those skills. Yeah. I'd definitely say that um, it really sh obviously shook my world um, and it really had me question everything. And that's why leading up to that point, I like I said, I like, you know, I was the person who typically goes around at school and, you know, proclaims, you know, and like, especially, you know, you're talking about like, church and groups and, and things like that. And, and I think there's an element where it really uncovered this, like, I don't know whether it's like a sales role, like in me, like, you know, getting, bringing as many people to church as possible because that would reward that. Um, one of my love languages is words of affirmation. So being told, you know, you're doing a great job and all this other stuff by the church, yep. it really kept me nice and connected inside that community. And then, it took something like that to happen to really, yeah, really shake my world and, and really just go, what am I doing? Like, mm. why am I spending so much time? Why is my whole life revolve around this? And like you said, you know, I, like you, you mentioned, you know, deconstructing your understanding and, and your spirituality and faith and all those other things. And I went on a very, very similar path. There's a book um, called uh, Conversations with God. Yep. Um, have you have you read it? Yeah. Um, no, I haven't, but I think my husband has, and uh, yeah, it's not Rob Bell. It's um, it's Neil Donald Walsh. Okay, because there's yeah. there's a few authors that sort of dabble in this. I don't want to call it universalism, but that kind of idea, yeah. and I know that that is definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's a rabbi as well that has had a really big uh, impact in, I guess, the deconstructing faith thing. thing. And of course, his name escapes me right now. Um, but he's done an amazing chat, a few chats with Oprah on her podcast about this yeah. this whole idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So this this book actually like um, the whole idea of it. So there's like. If there's audio ver versions of it now, um, mm. and I think each of them, I think each of them are potentially three to five hours long. Uh, oh, sorry, nine hours long each, and there's three books. Wow! Um, and so each of them, um, he actually, so the the idea behind the book is he's he's really angry at God. He's like, and he's yelling and screaming and and going on like why is life so hard and all this other stuff. And he's literally writing, and then he's he's just being guided to write these responses and obviously there's nine hours mm. times three of like these different responses and just the intelligence of the responses and the articulation of the responses mm. um it regard i'm not here to say that it's right or wrong or that you know whatever it is but the articulation and the intelligence behind the responses really had me question a lot of the modern day church and and the way that it's all set up and again like you i still i still pray i still do a lot of other things as yeah. well um not here to say that you know the church or you know anything's bad or anything like that i think you know there's great community aspects to it and all those other things but what i noticed for myself is that it took me 
to you know it had had to have something really terrible happen to then question and actually understand my own understanding um and you'll probably be able to relate to this is like because when you grow up especially when it is forced down you Mm. um you're told not to question anything and it's until you get the opportunity to question it that you actually get to decide you know i'm now in my 30s and um and you actually get to decide what it looks like for you and and yeah a hundred percent and we're hardwired for connection and yeah. those you know those informative year, formative years for me growing up in fellowship and church was the best place for me to be absolutely yeah um and and i also think that in a similar way to what you shared like i had a bit of a savior complex as a kid because i'm like I'm going to get all of the souls and get them to church and they're going to be believers and we're all going to be saved because that's what I was taught. You do, you know, and, and I don't know that that's a negative thing. Wanting something good for a fellow human is not wrong, but I feel like it's the approach that, yeah, like you hit your thirties and, and you just start, it's the whole idea, which is, you know, a great segue into sober curiosity because it's questioning what you think you believe. So when you deconstruct your faith, you're like, oh, well, this is what I got taught. And this is, this is the context that it was given to me as in the Bible. But now do I actually really think that and believe that? Or maybe if we spin the context around this way, it can mean something different. It's similarly, when you start to question why am I drinking? What purpose is yeah. this serving in my life? Um, and seeing that person be sober at that Bucks party would have absolutely been the catalyst for you to to head back into questioning your behavior territory because you'd already done yeah. it before with your spiritual journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think the biggest thing was like for me, not only, you know, going down that journey and, and you know, um, almost regaining a sense of control um, because I think I just got sick of being hung over all the time mm. or, you know, how, how much it impacts you. Um, like I was starting a, I was starting a business at the time or a year into like my business. And I just noticed that like, I just, I didn't have time. Like it's hard enough to build a business. It's hard enough to like, yeah. you know, I'm a father of two now um, and obviously a husband and, and everything else. Like we've all got bills to pay. We've all got things to do. And when you add that, that complexity into it, it, it eats into your week. And, um, and I noticed the moment that I stopped drinking, um, I thought I was doing it for health reasons, which is part of it. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I got was I actually really got control of, I don't want to say control. I really started to feel my emotions as a man as well. That was like something that, you know, when you, when you have, um, alcohol, like when you feel overwhelmed, like, and you, you reach for like, you've got a, you know, um, whatever in the fridge, like if you've got beers in the fridge or Jimmy's or whatever the case is, um, it's really easy to like use that as your, as your escape. But, Mm. um, when you actually like really face your emotions as a man, um, and obviously women as well, but for men, like, especially for me, um, it was actually a really, really interesting time. And, and yeah, I, like, I actually, like, I don't know if I'm going too far down the rabbit hole, but, um, 
Like I also see a therapist now as well to really, really understand stuff. Like I grew up like with really, really good parents. I love them dearly and all those other things. But there's obviously stuff that happens as a child that impacts your way of thinking and the way that you do things, um, which then obviously impacts the way that you treat your kids and everything else as well. Mm. Um, And so I think the reason I I stopped initially was to have a little bit more control and, and for health reasons. But I think the biggest benefit I got out of it was actually being able to navigate my emotions um, and and really make sure that I'm very intentional with things as well. So, yeah. It's really huge to hear a bloke, and you're a blokey bloke. You've got a checkered <laughs> shirt on, for goodness sake. Um, <laughs> it's so refreshing to hear a bloke be vulnerable and okay to discuss this and go, hey, guess what? I am seeing a therapist because it helps. And I think you do what works. I love that you still yeah. pray. That's awesome. You know, yeah. like you, you've got to do, you've got to set yourself up for your own life. It's the sum total of your choices. And if you want to dig into that emotion, it's only going to make you a more empathetic person to be around. And it's only going to um, enhance your capacity. It's going to make you a better husband, a better dad. And all of those things are positive things. And it's not to say that yeah. you're not wonderful as you are, but just the the fact that you want to get a little bit better and you want to go a little bit deeper, I think that's yeah. really wonderful. And I and I just love that you are really happy and you and you're also not preaching it, right? Um, no, I you, think you're you're, li- think you're just living it. Yeah, actions and it's it's like your actions speak louder than your words. And it does it's the same for parenting, it's the same for a lot of different things. Like mm. you can say all you want, but your actions will always speak louder than yeah. anything else that you can say. So from that final drink, how was that day? Did you have vodka rebels at 8 a.m.? No, no. So that's like so I actually got a hold of a book called Um The Alcohol Experiment by Yeah. Um, is oh, it do you Al- know the book? Is it Alan Carr? No, it's um, Ellen someone. Oh, I'll see if I can few. try and find it. There's yeah. a lot more now. Um, but in 2020, yeah, I ha- I feel like the book I re- – oh, no, the book I read was called How to Control Alcohol. That's Alan Carr's. Um, yeah. Annie Grace, sorry. Oh, Annie, Annie Grace. Grace, This Naked Mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's the book that the, the guy um, recommended to me. So after I had this discussion with the guy who – remained sober throughout the Bucks party. That's the one he recommended to me. And I actually gave him a call the moment. So I live on the central coast and I was filming in Sydney. And um, so, you know, that drive down, I I rang him. Um, He told me, he reminded me of the book. um, And I was listening to it before I even got to to Castle Hill where we were filming. And um, yeah, it was that, like that was a catalyst. And it's, it's, Interesting because in your mind, um, especially when you do give up, you play this whole big story about, oh, you know, he's going to he's gonna force it down my throat. He's going to hold me down and, and all this other stuff. I walked in and, I, and he goes, do you want a drink? And I was like, no. And he's like, okay. Like I played this big, play this big, big story in my head that like I'm gonna shame I'm I'm gonna shame him and all this other stuff and he didn't care. He's like, That's okay, so funny. He, He's put it, poured it in his cup and, and away he goes. So, yeah. Sure, whatever, mate. <laughs> it's funny, though, how we do catastrophize scenarios in our brain. Like the stories that we yeah. tell ourselves in our heads are yeah. so insane. And if you, 
and then you get there and it's not even, it, you know, 99.9% of the time, the worst case scenario you've spent the whole car trip imagining never happens. Yeah. It never unfolds. No. So were there, when you decided, so was it at that point that you were like, I'm done, I'm taking a break, I'm going to do this alcohol experiment that you were hearing about? Oh. Yeah, so I think um, what I psychologically sort of told myself is that I'm just going to tell everyone that it's a 30-day thing, but I knew deep down inside that I wanted to give up for good. And I actually, you know, I because I think like a lot of people who say I'm not going to drink again, you, you just don't know, but like you, you've got a little bit of confidence and like, mm. I think I'll do it this time. And um, yeah, and so that's, that's how I first... Um, I like, yeah. So the, like at this time it wasn't, the lockdowns were just slowly happening and, and things like that. And it also helped that, you know, you couldn't go, like there were times where you couldn't go out and all mm. those, everything mm. was closed. So that also did help. But, um, I think there was even more temptation, like to be able to just go and buy it or have it delivered and, and, um, and just drink at home with your family. But, um, I don't know where that strength came from. Um, mm. Part of me, I, I think it might have just been again, just knowing that this is the best thing for me long term, um, mm. and yeah, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. How did your partner react? Um, I think she she was happy. Yeah, <laughs> she was, was she happy like, that I was finally. <laughs> yes. Yeah, great. Um, because I like I oft, often overshared um, things, and often like um, you know like everybody got a bit rowdy and, and things like that. And I think she was just happy. Like there's a lot of things that I can sort of share. Um, but the main ones are that like, it really helped me. Like when I stopped drinking, it sort of also closed off a life that I was building behind the scenes as well. Um, so like with work and, and what I do, sometimes I'll, you know, travel down to Melbourne or interstate, like go up to the Gold Coast and do some filming and have like really big nights with clients and, and things like that. And, um, and then to come home and, and just be hung over and all those other things. I think she was really happy to hear that. Like I was giving it up, um, yeah. and just wanted to make sure that, um, I was as well. Like she, she, I still like, she, like, we just came back from Fiji a couple of weeks ago. Um, and she was like, you know, she, she still drinks, like she'll have a mojito or, you know, a cocktail here and there, but she's not a huge drinker mm. anyway. Um, and so, you know, I still encourage her to have drinks and, and things like that if she wants to, but sure. also at the same time. Yeah. So. So would you say that you had a problem with alcohol or because it, it didn't, what am I trying to say? Were you waiting to hit a rock bottom? Do you know what I'm I, saying? Like, were, was it heading in a trajectory where you were like, oh, this is not looking good for me. And, but you were just, I guess, coping and masking and just kind of surviving it, you know? Yeah. Or I don't know. How, how would you, I guess, and the reason why I ask is because we love um, labels and when you can label it, it might help somebody else identify where they're at. Because yeah. it doesn't sound to me like your life was leaving Las Vegas and out of control and all of those typical things that we associate with men and drinking problems. But it had obviously gotten to a point for you where you're like, I don't want to play this game anymore. Yeah. 
it definitely got to a point where like I was the the problem for me was I was I had a double life or like you know the equivalent of um sure. where it was almost like you have a life where you get to escape your responsibilities you get to be someone that you're not um you know during work hours um and yeah for the most part like you can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want within reason, obviously. Mm. Um, and you get to just have fun. And especially for me, in my mind, I was sort of like, oh, just keep exploring this. I like this life instead of the my real life. And I think just like, you know, I was sharing about how I made this big story up about, um, you know, what, what this guy is going to say when I get there and all this other stuff. Like I made this big story up about, how this life, you know, drinking and, and partying and all this other stuff, it's, it's heaps better than my actual life. Mm. And I think that messes with your mind. Like I've got a, like coming back to your question again, I've got a really addictive personality. Um, and I know that. And because I know that it's one of the same reasons why I can't, like, even when I was in Fiji, I could have had like the, one of the big reasons that I stopped drinking was because I had a cocaine habit. Um, it wasn't huge, but it was definitely something that I do regularly, at least once a month, if not more. And um, obviously it's costly and all these other things. And I like for me, the way that I sort of stopped was I tied any drink that I have back to like the cocaine habit. Okay. And, um, and so when I actually did give up, I, I told myself that like, I can't have, I can't afford to have a drink, including, you know, when I'm away at Fiji or whatever, not that there's, you know, bags and things available there anyway, but I have a drink there and that's okay. Right. Then I have a drink in two weeks time somewhere else at a family barbecue. That's okay. But now I've got like, now I'm accepting, accepting having a drink. And then the next time, you know, or the next time after that, I'm in a place where it's going to be available and I go back down that same path and, yeah. And so it's a, it's an awareness of knowing that I've got an addictive personality and also that double life was taking me to a place where I really, like I sort of, you know, you take a little bit of a bird's eye view and you look and you, you sort of see where you're going and what path you're creating for yourself. And that life just wasn't taking me anywhere. Like it was, it's mm. all fantasy sort yeah. of thing. So. Yeah. It's easier to have zero than one. That's my, Absolutely. that's what I've landed on for me. I've and in eight and a half years, I haven't had a drink and it's because it is so easy for me because it's zero every single time. Would you like a drink? No, you don't have to overthink it. You don't have to put boundaries down. You don't have to stop yourself after one. It's just so much less drama to have zero. That's just my yeah. experience. Something that, um, I find interesting is you said that you have an addictive personality. Yeah. Are you addicted to sobriety? Because I feel like absolutely. I'm a sobriety addict. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like it, I'm isn't super that proud. Interesting. Yeah. Super proud that like it's three and a half years and, and like that addiction to the life that I've created yeah. is way better than the previous life that I was creating 
Yeah, yeah and absolutely. And I think too another thing that might be helpful for some people because you just said it then, you know, sobriety isn't about depriving yourself of alcohol. Sobriety is about building a life that you don't oh, need to escape. It's about building something that is so valuable, so tangible, so worthwhile and so fulfilling that you don't need a double life. You don't exactly. need escapism because you're in it and it's so good. And that's not to say that bad things don't happen because it's yep. life. Grandparents die in car accidents. It's, you yep. know, horrible tragedies still happen because life is not going to stop throwing curveballs. But sobriety gives you the capacity to respond really well and to be in whatever that emotional bubble is, whether it's happiness or grief or somewhere in between. And yeah. I think that is what we are here to experience as humans, right? That's yeah. the full expression of life is to be in whatever we're in and be so present and in it. And it really feels like from the way you've got such a great articulation, Alan, on your um, emotional intelligence and, and where you've been and where you're heading that I really feel that you are living that out. And that is a life that you should be really, really proud that you've created for yourself and your family. 100%. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I used to like, especially in your twenties, you think like, I know for me, I was thinking, oh, having kids sounds like such a drag and, and <laughs> you know, um, it just sounds like a boring life. You look at all the people in their 30s and they just look fucking boring as fuck <laughs> and all this other stuff, right? Sure, sure, I'm not the only person who thought that in my th in my twenties, right? No, I'm. Are you laughing because you agree? I can I tell you a quick story? Yeah. In my twenties, one of my like a friend's friend had a baby that met the married young that had a baby, and we met the baby. This one week old baby, and she's like, "Do you want to hold my baby?" And I was like, "No, why the fuck would I want to do that?" <laughs> was like get exactly. it away so i'm laughing because i am so there yeah but, absolutely but as you were saying <laughs> yeah as i was saying like you know so i my kids are now six and eight and the best thing i love doing is like picking them up from school going down to the beach spending the afternoons with them especially yeah. during daylight savings it's great yeah and like that like the moments that those moments that you get to have with your kids and all those other things, um, you know, it's, it's so much like, you know, I don't want to go into it too much, but there was a point where, you know, I couldn't, I, I might not have had this life that I had, um, you know, because of some decisions that I made and things like that. And yeah. I'm just really, really grateful that I am here that I like stuck strong and, and mm. really like, you know, made the decisions that I did for the people in my life and, and everything else. Yeah. Just super, again, like you said, I'm super grateful, super proud of where I'm at and yeah. And honestly, um, I think like I've now been to like, I, I follow the Panthers and I like, I I've been to the grand final and been in the box and all the other things while there's been open bars, been to bucks parties myself now, mm. all that other stuff. And like for the momentary, you know, enjoyment that you would have with drinking i get so much more the next day and you know the following weeks and and whatnot because i may i feel like i'm, I'm a little bit more in control of 
where my emotions are and and navigating my life and, and everything else as well. And the beautiful self-fulfilling prophecy of sobriety is this, Alan, you sitting in a box at the grand final, sober, maybe spearheaded somebody else's sober curiosity because they were like, oh, my God, this guy's at the grand final and he's yeah. not drinking. And, oh, my God, that's got to be some kind of a superpower, you know? And it's like, so yeah. you setting that example is, and that's what I love about this whole, you know, dance that we do in sobriety. Like it's just, it's so cool when you hear these stories and like what the person who inspired you and, and you don't know how many, you know, how many lives that you've touched quickly back on the kids thing. Um, it's such a funny point that you make because in my twenties, I was like kids, like physical, physical reaction. Um, but I have a four year old and it, it is the least boring experience of my life because you have this, and I've only got the one, but still you have this little version of yourself who, and, and Henry, even though he's a boy, he looks exactly like me. He's a little mirror. He is a mirror. And he has taught me more than I ever thought a child could teach me about myself, my ways, my direction, my mannerisms. Like it's the craziest and most exciting, challenging, frustrating and big journey that you can ever go on. And I am so grateful that I'm doing it sober. And, but I understand why parents, especially with young ones, I totally get why they hit the bottle on a Friday or a Thursday or whatever it is, because again, it's the escapism. But when you can create a life, and I don't know about your kids, mate, but my child is not perfect. My child (laughs) is the biggest pain in my ass. Sometimes my child woke up four times the other night for no reason, (laughs) just wanted mummy cuddles. Yes. And I'm like, mate, I've got to get up at four o'clock in the morning and go to work. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. But, but in saying that, like it doesn't, but getting sober doesn't make your family perfect or your children behave or be no. less defiant or whatever. But again, it gives you that real world experience and, and, and sitting in the driver's seat and feeling all of the feels. And that's the true essence of life. And that's a life you don't want to escape, even though the driver's crazy. Yeah, it's so, absolutely. it's just really wild being on the other end of it, you know, and I do, you, you yeah. did just remind me of, of, I guess how naive I was in my twenties and just how like cynical and just, I was so definitive in my choices at 20. I was like, I'm never doing this. I'm always doing that. I'm blah, 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 you know, and now I'm just yeah. so much more chilled and fluid and, And I love being this version of me. And it sounds to me like you love being this version of you more, way more. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, exactly right. Like, and I think, you know, obviously as you go through life, you, you beliefs change and you, you know, all those other things adapt and, and change and, you know, come and go as, as you, as you just mentioned as well. But, um, yeah, it's, it's super interesting and, um, and yeah, and like like you said, um, there's nothing that you would t- like as as hard as kids are and as tough as they are. There's the the enjoyment and the like the opportunity to reflect on your own. Like I, I was, you know, I like there's so much that I learned about how I just reflecting on what you said. There's so much that I learned about how I grew, up, how I was even disciplined and mm. things like that, and how that then reflects naturally 
it naturally becomes your disciplinary way of going about things. Yeah. And um, and then the work that you have to do with that, like if there's untapped, you know, and even just yeah. rage and emotion and all this other stuff as well. So, yeah, really interesting. It's so cool, mate. I, I just, it's just a really, it's a really sweet story that you have. And I just, I love that you're just sitting in that space as a bloke and owning it. It's really, like I said, it is truly refreshing. And I know this conversation will connect with, with men and women, but I yeah. love that, you know, like I said, you're this blokey bloke and you, you're totally sober and you're, you're really owning that and, and doing great things. And I, I really do appreciate you sharing your story. It sounds like it's, you know, there's some other layers to it, which we don't have to get into, but I appreciate you kind of lifting the lid on, on what your sobriety journey has been like so far. No, thank you. Well, thank you again for having me. And I guess just to like sort of cover off, like one of the reasons I do share so vulnerably and I do share, you know, a lot is because I know that um, like even through my own journey, like I've, I've felt like I've, you know, overcome some real big demons, but I know that there's a lot of men who haven't been either given the opportunity or given the safe space to, to do so. Um, and you know, the more that I feel like I speak up, the more that I get a sense, like I do get a lot of feedback. Um, mm. and I also hear a lot of really good feedback about like people who, uh, you know, everyone's on their own journey or I may even just be speaking of something that's going on in their minds and, and things like that. And and I, I learned that a few years ago, especially after, um, you know, do it, doing things like this and, and exploring, you know, different things as well. So, but yeah. It's so good, mate. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Anytime. You can come back. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. New episodes of Last Drinks are available every Monday morning. You can follow us on TikTok at Last Drinks or catch up with me on Instagram at Maz Compton. Stay curious. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.